Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Monday, October 15, 2018, you are listening to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast. And I am your host, Clint Daly, coming to you from the Mile High City. I am here in Denver, Colorado. And we are back again this week to discuss the world of sports with a dose of common sense, which does desperately seem to be needed these days. Hey, I hope you enjoyed your weekend. It was another fun weekend in sports. First and foremost, if you would like to contact the show, maybe let us know what you enjoyed watching over the weekend. Hit us up on email, dailydosports at gmail.com, or you can go over and find us on Facebook or Twitter. Both of those handles are at Daily Dose Sports. Maybe you've got a list that you'd like us to put together. Maybe you have a question. Maybe you have a comment. Understand this, it doesn't have to be about a huge national story. Maybe you have a specific question about a specific team or player that you would like to have answered. Feel free to send it. We will always take the time to get you an answer, and we just might end up using it on the show. Hey, today on the show, we've got something a little bit different for you. You know, we have some things to take care of this week, but never fear because we have some of the best of the daily dose for you. Hey, today we are flashing way back in time. We are going back to December of 2014. We are going to check out one of the first podcasts that we had ever done. You know, in this podcast, we talk some NFL, we preview some college football bowl games, and yes, today on a Monday, we even have a daily dose top five for you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a throwback episode of The Daily Dose. Wednesday, December 17th, 2014, you are listening to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast, and I am your host, Clint Daly, sports writer that is coming to you from Denver, Colorado. Hey, we talk sports every single week, give you a little bit different perspective on the stories that you care the most about. Uh, You can download the podcast every week on iTunes. You can listen to it when it's convenient for you, whether that's working out, whether that's out going for a walk, whether that's driving into work and sitting in traffic. Go download the podcast off of iTunes, and uh, you can hear us every single week. We put up a new podcast every Wednesday. A lot of things to get to today. ton of things to get to today. We're going to talk some NFL. We're going to talk some NCAA football. Got a little bit of a bowl preview for you. If you are uh, kind of looking for what games to watch and maybe what games uh, are out there that, that might not be on the radar, might not be the biggest games, uh, you know, a couple things that, that we can get to. As usual, we will hit our Daily Dose Top 5, and I've got a little bit of NBA stuff that we want to get to today as well. Uh, hey, are you ready for Christmas? 
It is coming. It is coming a little over a week away. Uh, getting ready for Christmas here. It's all over the radio. It's all over the TV. You can't turn on the radio without hearing Christmas music somewhere. And if you if you turn on the TV during prime time, uh, you're getting some sort of a Christmas special. The, here's the here's the bad thing about the Christmas music. I turn on the radio, Christmas music. There's about twenty songs that are Christmas, and then after that, you have either uh, a really really strange musical act that's performing these songs and trying to tweak it a different way or you get uh the new let me release a new holiday song uh you know from clay aiken or nick lachey or some weird artist that i i don't i don't want to hear this from you uh, i don't care about your christmas uh song and and your new christmas classic that you think you're releasing um the other thing you know i'm watching i've got kids and I'm watching uh, TV and, 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 you know, some of the Christmas specials that are on and some of the movies that are out there and some of the Christmas specials, I, I don't know if we've thought these all the way through because there's some weird ones out there. You know, the other night, uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer was on. Rudolph was on and, and, and I'm kind of half watching and I'm writing some stuff down and I'm, I'm on Twitter and I'm doing some stuff. And, and, and you know, if you are on Twitter and you're following me, uh, I'm usually on during Bronco games. I'm usually on during some of the big national games or, or whatever's on, uh, that week. But I was on and I was just kind of doing some things and I just kind of had not, it, I don't know how long it's been since you've watched Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, but can I just say Santa Claus is a jerk. I mean, he's he's kind of grouchy. He's mean to the elves. The elves sing a little song for him, and he's kind of mean to him about it, and he doesn't really care. And then he's he's kind of you know he talks down to Rudolph, and he talks down to Rudolph's dad or whatever. I guess one of the reindeer is his dad. He talks down to him because poor Rudolph has this birth defect of having this red nose. But then when he needs Rudolph. Oh, then he's nice. Then he's nice. And here's the other thing. You know, it's foggy that night and it's snowy that night. Do they not get fog and snow up at the North Pole? Is he not used to this? Is this the first time, first time only we've had fog and snow and now I need the Rudolph, uh, the red-nosed reindeer with bright uh, floodlight on his nose. And his nose, like it's just like a Christmas light when it starts. It's just like a Christmas light. It's just like a bulb. But when it gets snowy and foggy, it turns into this floodlight. It's a weird, it's a weird show. Uh, Are you ready for Christmas? Are you getting everything done? We've got a lot of things to get to this week. A lot of things, a lot of stories to touch on. A couple things breaking news-wise. If you didn't see last night, Milwaukee Bucks for Jabari Parker is out for the season with a torn ACL. That is tough because Milwaukee, bizarrely, uh, has improved a little bit. They were 13 and 12, uh, you know, so far, and they were actually sitting at sixth in the East. I realize over in the East, uh, that doesn't mean as much, but hey, they were above 500. They were at least challenging for a playoff spot. Uh, Jabari Parker, big hit for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, the Grizzlies last night, Memphis Grizzlies, stopped the Golden State Warriors win streak at 16. And not only did they stop the win streak, they kind of threw a little bit of doubt into the Golden State Warriors. The way they beat them kind of clamped down on them and, and shut them down. It's going to be interesting to see how the Warriors respond. Dallas Cowboys say that DeMarco Murray, uh, running back DeMarco Murray, will play on Sunday against the Indianapolis Colts uh, despite having surgery on his hand. Uh, they say he's going to play. Now, why are we surprised by that at all? I mean, come on. Jerry Jones ran Tony Romo out there with a broken back. If he's the uh, if he's the doctor that is in charge of clearing people, you know full well they're getting released. And I'm still uh, still holding out hope Jerry Jones runs out there with a helmet, with no face mask, and plays some quarterback himself at some point. I know it's coming. That Cowboys game does affect the Denver Broncos. Something to keep in mind. That Cowboys game does affect the Denver Broncos, and DeMarco Murray's play in it does affect him. We'll talk about that just a little bit. 
Dallas Maverick forward and former New York Nick Tyson Chandler says that he feels bad for Carmelo Anthony. Feels bad, says that he he knows he's a competitor and he knows how hard he's battling back there. Uh, the New York Knicks struggling so bad. They are 5-22 and 22 now, uh, look horrible. Let me clear one thing up. I don't feel bad one bit for Carmelo Anthony. Keep in mind, he could have gone to some competitive teams. He could have gone to Chicago. He could have gone uh, maybe to Miami. He could have gone elsewhere. He chose to stay and take the money. I don't feel bad for you. Uh, you can, uh, you know, dry those tears uh, with with those uh, twenty dollar bills if you need to. I did hear this past week. I heard this past week on Twitter, just from a few of you wondering who I would have voted for for Heisman this past week, uh, last Saturday. The Heisman Award was handed out. Uh, Oregon quarterback Marcus Mariota won on Saturday. He got nearly eight hundred of the nine hundred first place votes that were given. And keep in mind. Of those 900 votes, uh, there are some writers that don't even send in their vote. Uh, they don't even bother voting. So he basically got, I mean, nearly all of the votes. And I like, I like Marcus Mariota. I think he's a good player. I think if he gets into the right situation, he could be a very, very good quarterback. Got a nice arm. Uh, seems like a smart kid. Seems like a leader. I know he's a little bit quieter than some of the other guys that are out there. But, you know, if he gets into the right situation, I think he could be a very, very good quarterback. Here's the problem that I have with the Heisman. I don't care about the Heisman Trophy. I, I I don't care anymore. I didn't even watch the the award ceremony the other night. I don't I don't care. Here's the here's the beef that I have with them. Uh, keep in mind that the Heisman was supposed to recognize, and and this is their this is from them, the most outstanding college football player who exhibits the pursuit of excellence with integrity. Give me a break. The Heisman Trust should be absolutely mortified. They handed the Heisman to Jameis Winston, Johnny Manziel. Are you being are you being serious with me? Can if we're going to have this Heisman trophy, can we rename it? Can we change the Heisman trophy to uh, or maybe maybe like highest ranked spread quarterback? Because in less uh, it, it almost always goes to a quarterback. The only time it goes to a quarterback, uh, or, or doesn't go to a quarterback, is when they when they sit there and they say, "Okay, uh, we have a, a team that's high ranked. So we've got Alabama. They're really high ranked, but the quarterback he doesn't really run that much, and he's not really that interesting." AJ McCarron, and, and so then maybe we'll give it to their running back. Other than that, it goes to the to the highest ranked spread quarterback every single year. That's what it's gone to the last few years. Now, if it's supposed to go to the best player in college football, then that changes it completely. But that's not who it goes to. It goes to the highest ranked quarterback pretty much every year in a spread offense. If it went to the best player this year, uh, I would say Amari Cooper, the wide receiver out of Alabama, probably gets a few more votes. I'll tell you who else might get some votes. Todd Gurley, the running back out of Georgia. I know he didn't play nearly enough, and I know that's one of the conditions that we have. He's got to he's got to have a big, uh, you know, he's got to finish the season. He's got to have a big national showing. He can't have a you know a big glaring loss and and a game that he doesn't play well. Todd Gurley might have been the most talented player in, in college football this year. I don't know. What about the, the defensive lineman uh, Leonard Williams out of USC? Maybe he's the most talented. I I don't know, but I do know that that's not who we hand the trophy to. We don't give the Heisman Trophy to the best college football player every year. And and like I said, I don't have a big beef with Marcus Mariota. I think he's a phenomenal player. I'm just saying I don't think I don't know that he's the best player in the in the country. I don't have any idea. I I would guess that he he might not be. 
But I knew, I do know that the last few years, uh, the, uh, the Heisman Trust has uh, embarrassed themselves with, uh, you know, James Winston and Johnny Manziel. Let's be real clear about that. More on Johnny Manziel a little bit later. Uh, and, and just keep in mind, we are going to do a quick bowl preview a little bit later. I'll give you some of the bowl games, uh, that you might not have on your radar, but you might want to, you might want to pencil them in. Hey, let's talk a little bit of NFL. Uh, the Denver Broncos. Overcame the San Diego Chargers on Sunday in San Diego in a uh, in a game that was a little bit strange. If you watched it, it, it kind of a, a hard game to to exactly get a real good feel for. A uh, little bit weird. Denver comes out, uh, you know, get a little bit of league. You know, the Broncos had to overcome the Chargers and and a Peyton Manning tummy ache. That chicken parm didn't taste so good. Um, it, it was a kind of a strange game. They ended up winning 22 to 10, really wasn't decided until late. Uh, but there was just a couple strange things that happened in that game that were just really, it's kind of weird. Denver uh, goes out and, and for one thing, their red zone offense is really, really struggling. And I thought maybe the return of Julius Thomas would get it, get it back and maybe it should. But did you notice that when they got down near the red zone and it was, you know, third and goal or whatever, that they decided to have Julius Thomas blocking? I, I realize these guys are, are light years smarter than I am, but I don't want him blocking. He's not a very good blocker. I want him out in, in you know, running routes and, and getting himself open. So the Broncos settle for three field goals. They, they go up nine to nothing. And with a little less than two minutes left, they actually hold San Diego and they're going to get the ball back. Well, Peyton Manning had apparently... They say sustained a thigh injury. I don't know if that's true or not, or if he was just sick and had to go to the bathroom. I don't know what was wrong with him. But he went to the locker room. He goes into the locker room. Broncos have a little over a minute to kill, and they bring in Brock Osweiler. Now, it's nine to nothing. It is a two-possession game. And the brain trust with the Denver Broncos decides that we don't want to just you know run it into the line if something springs, great, but if not, who cares? We'll just run out the clock. We'll go in at halftime up 9 nothing. They decide, Brock Osweiler, you should throw the ball around a little bit. Let's spread it around, and let's see what you've got. He nearly throws an interception on the first pass. It goes incomplete. Nearly intercepted. It's deflected. It pops up in the air. Nearly intercepted. Second pass, incomplete. Okay, you've stopped the clock twice now. Third play, they finally decide, oh, we should probably run, and they run C.J. Anderson out wide. He gets pushed out of bounds. You stop the clock and San Diego goes right down the field and gets a field goal. And suddenly this game felt like, man, you were up two possessions. Now you're only at one possession and, and, and it's in their place. They've got a little bit of momentum coming out. Fortunately, fortunately for the Denver Broncos, their defense was very, very good on Sunday. Their defense did not allow San Diego and, and, and Phillip Rivers uh, to get going. In fact, uh, you know, they, they only gave up 288 yards total. Held Phillip Rivers uh, to 232 yards and a touchdown with two picks. That whole Osweiler thing was so strange to me. A couple other things from this past week. The Dallas Cowboys kind of surprised me a little bit. I'll be, I'll be honest. I'll be very upfront. I didn't think they could go into Philly and win. They did. You know, the thing they, about Dallas is we're so used to them just looking horrible in December that we just automatically assume, well, yeah, they're going to go into Philadelphia, they're going to get rolled, and and they're going to probably still somehow get close to that 8-8 eight eight record. They, they go in, they had the huge lead, they gave up the huge lead, but they found a way uh, to extend it back out and get the win. Um, you know, Dallas has finally figured out, and, and I don't want know why this took so long, but they finally figured out if we if we run the ball and run the ball and run the ball, 
One, it takes a lot of pressure off Tony Romo, and he doesn't have to make that fourth-quarter interception that we know is coming. And two, it hides our defense. And for all the talk about this Cowboys defense is improved, I don't know that it is. They're just hiding it really, really well. Uh, I give them a little bit of credit for that. Um, the Cleveland Browns got absolutely thumped by the Cincinnati Bengals, and Johnny Manziel, honestly, looked like maybe they had just pulled him out of the stands and said, hey, do you want to play? You want to, you want to, you want to get a run for it? I don't know if I, and I was trying to think back. I remember, uh, the Tim Tebow versus Detroit Lions game when Tebow just looked like he was so confused, didn't know what to do. The rush was on. He couldn't, I mean, just couldn't function, had no help around him. Uh, and that's, Manziel looked worse than that. I mean, he looked like he genuinely had no idea how to play the position and you, you almost feel, yeah, not, not quite, but you almost felt bad for him because he was just under uh, such an onslaught and he was getting no help around him. They didn't have much running game. He didn't have much in the way of wide receivers helping him. Um, he looked like he had no idea what he was doing. Rumor has it that he actually came in this week five hours early to study and prepare for this week's game. I don't know if that helps, uh, but I guess I'll give him a little bit of credit uh, for going in and doing something. But the Browns got pounded, and it looks like that probably is going to eliminate them. Still mathematically in it, but it's going to be very, very tough. Team that is not in it anymore. The San Francisco 49ers have now been officially knocked out of the playoffs. Uh, you know, San Francisco has been to the last three, I believe, NFC Championship games. They have now officially been knocked out of the playoffs, and Colin Kaepernick, has gone Roy Hibbert on us and seems like he's completely forgotten how to play quarterback. It's really, really strange when you look at San Francisco because this was a team coming back. Uh, they've got the coach in Harbaugh. You've got the talent. They went out and brought in some wide receivers. You got Brandon Lloyd. You've got, you know, all these guys, Anquan Bolden and, and I mean, Vernon Davis. They've got weapons out there. Uh, Frank Gore, I know he has a lot of abuse on his body, but Frank Gore is still pretty solid. I can't figure out for the life of me why this team cannot function, but they can't. Did you notice one thing, though? Here's something I want you just to keep in mind a little bit. Did you notice that this all kind of started for San Francisco, like this downward spiral for them kind of started when the NFL wouldn't let Colin Kaepernick wear his Beats headphones? Did you notice that? I mean, when you think about that, that's kind of when this all started. Like they, they said, okay, you can't wear those Beats headphones. That's not who our sponsorship is with. You, we're not going to let you wear. And like he, like just, uh, he's like Warren and there's something about Mary. Like do not go near dude's ears because he just flips out and, and, and doesn't know how to function. And I don't know. It seems like that's kind of when this all started going, going downward for San Francisco. Hey, let's talk a little bit about the NBA. Uh, this past week, we saw Kobe Bryant past Michael Jordan on the all-time scoring list. And this, of course, proves that Kobe is better than Michael. Uh, well, I guess it also proves uh, that Carl Malone is the second greatest player ever uh, because he is sitting at second, Kareem, of course, in first, then Carl, and now Kobe is in third. Um, so I, I guess Kobe is is the uh, now third greatest player of all time, uh, if, if that matters at all. The Sacramento Kings have, uh, have fired their head coach, Mike Malone. You know, the Kings are sitting at 11-13, uh, and, and for the Sacramento Kings, that's actually not that bad. Uh, but they have fired their head coach. The, the worst thing about this situation, uh, when you're looking at Sacramento is because this was a team that actually was showing a little bit of promise. Then DeMarcus Cousins, uh, goes out. He's, he's been sick. They're saying it might be like spinal meningitis or something. He's supposed to be back here in a week or so. This was a team that was showing some promise. They, they were winning games early. Uh, I, I get the feeling, you know, there's a new Kings owner. You just get the feeling 
like uh, he is kind of just getting impatient. He wants to win right away. He wants to make sure they, they start winning and, and, and get on a roll right away. Uh, that impatience might hurt a little bit. Now, they are saying there is at least talk. They talked a little bit about Chris Mullen. Maybe he would come in and be the new head coach. There is some interest, they say, possibly in uh, former Denver Nugget head coach George Carl. George Carl took the Nuggets to the playoffs with Carmelo, with J.R. Smith, with Kenyon Martin. He could win a championship in Sacramento. Uh, don't underestimate the job he could do when he actually has some talent around him. Little bit of boxing news for you this week. Uh, Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao are saying that they need to finally make this fight happen. And this is such exciting news. This is really, really exciting. Well, if it was 2008, it would be really, really exciting. This is kind of like finding out that Rocky Balboa and Apollo Creed are going to fight again. It would have been exciting like seven or eight years ago. At this point, I got to be honest, I don't even care. This is, I mean, what Mike Tyson and George Foreman are going to fight next. I don't, I don't care. You can bring this out if you want to, but boxing is struggling. Boxing is going nowhere. And when fighters like this, the two biggest fighters in the world refuse to fight each other on these little silly reasons. It just hurts the fight game that much more. And the fans would have, you know, seven, eight years ago, been dying for this fight. And they refuse to make it happen. And as a result, when this fight happens, I won't watch it. Uh, and I'm a fight fan. I, I, I still, I know it's outdated and I, I, I will still watch boxing, but I will not watch. Uh, that because they, they, you know, kept the fans on a leash all this time and basically left us twisting in the wind saying, Oh yeah, we really had to do that fight, but we can't quite get, we can't quite agree on it. Well, then I'm not going to watch it when you do, when it does happen. Uh, because I just, I don't care anymore. These are two fighters that are probably on the backside of their prime. I really don't care about seeing it anymore. And it, it's pretty meaningless at this point. Hey, let's jump into our college bowl preview. Like I told you, uh, college bowl season is coming. And, and, and it actually begins this Saturday. Uh, there's going to be a number of games on Saturday the 20th. You want to make sure uh, that you keep an eye out for a few different games. I'll give you a, a few to keep an eye on. But here's one thing to keep in mind. There are 39 bowl games this season. 39? Are there really, are there really 78 teams that are worthy of bowls? I mean, you know what I would like to see is when they hand out these bowl bids, I think what would be what would be a lot more fun is they hand out the bowl bids and, and like some of you're starting to see it's kind of like March Madness where maybe they show the team that gets gets picked. I would like to show the coach that his team doesn't make a bowl and if he doesn't get into the bowl, he gets fired. Now, now I'm tuning in. Uh, now I'm going to uh, going to you know make sure I watch these bowl bids. Uh, so there's there's too many bowl games. Too many bowl games. You should be fired automatically if you don't make it. Uh, you know the best bowl games. Obviously, we have the the you know the games that mean something. The playoff games, the Rose Bowl, Florida State versus Oregon. I think is is probably the best bowl game of the two. Uh, should be a very very entertaining game. Both offenses pretty high powered. Uh, should be a lot of fun to watch. Rose Bowl. I think of the two is the better one. Sugar Bowl, uh, Ohio State versus Alabama, uh, and then the winner of these two games goes on the championship game. I'm not sure that Ohio State versus Alabama is going to be a great game. I, I get the feeling that Alabama is just going to grind them and that Ohio State's not going to be able to move the ball. And for as exciting as it is for Ohio State to be in this game, we're on our third quarterback. 
good luck you get to face Nick Saban's defense with your third-string quarterback. That might not finish that well for you on ESPN. But let me give you a couple games that you want to keep in mind because there, there's so many games. Like I said, there's 38 games. 39 games, sorry. 39 bowl games. It's a ridiculous amount, and there's too many games, and a lot of them are going to be bad football. These ones uh, at least have the possibility for being a decent game. So let me give you a couple of those here. The Belk Bowl. I have no idea what the Belk Bowl is. It's on December 30th. That is next Tuesday, uh, 4.30 Mountain Standard Time on ESPN. That features the University of Georgia versus Louisville. Now, keep in mind, uh, Georgia has a really, really good run game. Obviously, they did have Todd Gurley. They bring in uh, Chubb. He he just you know takes right over. Uh, great running game for Georgia versus a Louisville D that is pretty tough. Uh, could be you know kind of the the strength of each team going against each other. But keep one other thing in mind. Remember that Georgia's former defensive coordinator, uh, Todd Grantham, is now the defensive coordinator at Louisville. I, I got to think somehow this played in when they scheduled this. There's a little bit of a grudge factor there. That was just last year. Uh, so there's a little bit of a grudge factor there. Maybe they'll go, they'll go at it a little bit. Should be an entertaining game. Uh, the Peach Bowl is on uh, New Year's Eve, December 31st, and it's going to be at 10.30 a.m. on ESPN. Ole Miss versus TCU. Now, TCU obviously feel like they're snubbed. They got, you know, knocked out of the uh, the championship game that I know that they feel like they were in uh, against a very, very talented Ole Miss team has some big time receivers in this game if, if everyone is healthy. And then Bo Wallace, uh, the quarterback for Ole Miss, you never quite know if you're going to get good Bo or bad Bo, but when he's good, he's very, very good. I would guess this would probably be a pretty high scoring affair. And most likely, if things go according to how they usually do, uh, Bo will also probably throw a pick at the end to, uh, to end it. The Orange Bowl is going to have Mississippi State versus Georgia Tech. Also on New Year's Eve, 6 p.m. start on ESPN. And this is going to be a really interesting game because you're going to have wishbone versus spread offense. You're going to have old school wishbone uh, with Paul Johnson going against the spread of Dan Mullen. And, and you know, Dan Mullen is 3-1 and one in bowl games. He's got that huge quarterback. Dak Prescott kind of reminds you a little bit of Tim Tebow. Uh, it should be a really interesting game. Kind of contrasting styles, the way they play. But Mississippi State versus Georgia Tech on New Year's Eve should be a very, very good game. Now, let's get to the uh, Cotton Bowl. The Cotton Bowl will be played on January 1st, New Year's Day. Now, I know it's at 10.30 in the morning locally. It's on ESPN. You're just maybe hopefully waking up by this point. But Michigan State versus Baylor should be a really, really entertaining game. Uh, you know, Baylor, again, another team that's probably feeling snubbed and feeling like they didn't quite get, uh, you know, the, the recognition uh, that they should have when it came down to picking teams for the national championship. Baylor's got to feel a little bit snubbed. Their offense, spread offense, they're going to throw it all over the point, all over the field. They they can score 60, 70 points. Uh, Bryce Petty is their quarterback, very, very good quarterback. Uh, should be interesting. Now, they're going to go against a Michigan State defense that at times looks like one of the one of the best defenses in the country. Sometimes a little bit inconsistent here and there, but they have some people up front that should make things very, very interesting. Um, and as a result, I think the Cotton Bowl is going to be a lot of fun. And then, like I said, we get into the championship games. Uh, we get into the playoff games, and those should be really, really interesting. There's just so many games. 
So many bowl games. There's too many to to watch them all. And like I said, a lot of them aren't aren't very good football. A lot of them aren't aren't really, to be honest, all that interesting even. Uh, but there's a couple games for you to kind of keep in mind and just give you something to watch during this bowl season and as we finish out the college football season. Now, as we do every single week, we have our Daily Dose Top 5. We do this every single week, a very popular segment on the Daily Dose Sports Podcast. Our Daily Dose Top 5 this week is most memorable BCS games. You know, the BCS is now gone. We've got the college football playoff. Uh, for me, that's good and riddance because I, I didn't really care for the BCS, although for the most part, they, they only got it wrong two or three times. Uh, but it was some some big misses, and and, and I just think the situation is better. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a second, but let's get to the Daily Dose Top 5 Most Memorable BCS Games. Uh, Number 5 on our list, the 1999 Fiesta Bowl. You might remember this. It was the very, very first BCS National Championship game we had. Tennessee Volunteers uh, actually beat Florida State Seminoles 23-16, and T. Martin did what Peyton Manning was unable to do during his time at Tennessee, uh, kept finding a way to win, kept finding a way to get past the teams that, that Peyton hadn't been able to do. He was able to beat Florida for a change, and then he was able to, to win the big one and win the national championship. Uh, Peerless Price in this game, you might remember, had four catches for 199 yards. I mean, it wasn't just that he was beating them. He beat them deep for big plays. He had the one touchdown. Uh, Florida State. Whatever you do, don't let Peerless get behind you uh, because he continued to do this again and again and again in 1999. Number four on our Daily Dose Top 5, 2011. And you might remember this, the BCS title game in Arizona. uh, It was Auburn 22, Oregon 19. You know, everyone thought when these two teams came together, uh, you know, you had Cam Newton with Auburn. Everyone thought it was going to be a real high-scoring game. It actually wasn't. It was actually kind of a kind of a at times a little bit of a boring game, a little bit of a defensive game. But if you remember, uh, on the final possession, uh, with uh, the game tied, Auburn is driving, uh, running back Michael Dyer was tackled, maybe got five or six yards, didn't look like he was going to get much. He spins and his knee never touched. He gets up, takes off, gets 37 yards, and Auburn gets in field goal range, kicks a field goal to win it. They reviewed it, of course, his knee hadn't touched, and Auburn wins the national championship game uh, and at least for a long time, kept that BCS championship game in the SEC uh, until just last year. So that is our number four, Michael Dyer spinning out, uh, not going down and, and getting up, finding a way to get Auburn past Oregon. Our number three most memorable BCS game, the 2003 Fiesta Bowl. Who could forget Ohio State beating Miami in two overtimes that that Miami team was on a 34-game winning streak. They were defending champions from the previous season, and Ohio State was a double-digit underdog. I remember turning that game on and thinking, this probably won't be much of a game, but you know, you just kind of have it on in the background. The Miami Hurricanes turned it over five times. I don't care what happens. You turn over five times, bad things are going to happen. You might remember the Ohio State goal line stand. You had the pass interference that may or may not have been pass interference. Who knows? All as I know is if you turn it over five times, you're taking your chances, and that's what happened to Miami that day. Ohio State beats Miami 31-24 in two overtimes. You know, when you look back at that team for Miami, they were absolutely, absolutely loaded with talent. 
I, I don't know how you weren't a better team and how they somehow, I believe that was Craig Krenzel for Ohio State, uh, somehow they, they found a way to beat this team, but that Miami team was absolutely loaded with talent. I mean, they just, they had so many players. Uh, you had, I mean, that was, that was when they, uh, had Larry Coker. And I mean, they were just, they were loaded. Uh, really, really good team that year. Uh, but, you know, found a way to, found a way to drop the ball against, uh, Ohio State. And I know they're still mad about the, the interference call and then the phantom interference call. And I, I get it. Uh, but you were loaded that year and absolutely should have found a way to win. Our number two game. On the uh, most memorable BCS game, what else could you have on this? The 2007 Fiesta Bowl, Boise State 43, Oklahoma 42 in overtime. You know, Boise uh, was undefeated coming into this game, but obviously come from that little conference, uh, you know, huge underdog going against Oklahoma. There's no way they're going to come into it. I mean, they, there was questions if Boise should have even been in this Fiesta Bowl. Because they were from the small conference. They hadn't really played anybody that big time. Uh, there were questions, should they even be in this game? Um, and if you'll remember, they jumped out to a big lead early. I believe it was like 28 to 10. And they give that up. And in fact, late through an interception. And Oklahoma took the lead. Boise came right back down the field. Went, I mean, pulling, pulling tricks out of the bag. Went hook and ladder. Uh, went Statue of Liberty on a two-point conversion. You know, when they scored the touchdown, to tie it, well, you would think tie it, kick the extra point, tie it, we go into overtime. They, uh, you know, said, no, we're going to go for this in overtime. Went with the Statue of Liberty handoff behind the back. Uh, running back runs it in. I believe it's Ian Johnson runs it in and then goes and proposes to his girlfriend. Uh, if you remember anything from the BCS era, that is one of the bowl games. It wasn't a national championship game, obviously, but that is one of the most memorable games that might be out there uh, in the in the era of the BCS. The number one most memorable BCS game. I mean, what else could you go with? It was easily the most memorable. It was the national championship game. And that is the 2006 Rose Bowl when Texas came back uh, and beat USC 41 to 38. You know, Vince Young. I mean, he almost single-handedly beat Leinert and Bush. Keep in mind that Leinert and Bush uh, were the two Heisman Trophy winners. Bush had won the Heisman just prior to this. Uh, and, and uh, of course, that was later vacated. We won't talk about that. Vince Young had 267 yards passing and 200 yards rushing in this game. Uh, brought them back numerous times, kept them in it, and somehow Texas was able to hold on and knock off USC easily. Easily the most memorable BCS game uh, in that BCS era. Now, I know that there has been some complaining about, you know, did the playoff committee get it right? Did they uh, pick the correct teams? I will say this. No matter what teams they picked, and the teams we talked about earlier, Florida State, Oregon, uh, and then Alabama, Ohio State, no matter what games they picked, it's still better than the BCS do not forget that. Don't get that part of it twisted because it is still better than the BCS because if nothing else, after these games are done, we get one more game. And keep in mind, if this was the old regime, if this was the old BCS, here's the game that would have been played. We would be playing Florida State versus Alabama and that would be it. Oregon would have no say in it. Ohio State would have no say in it. 
Uh, and those other teams wouldn't even have been close in a say in it. You know, TCU and Baylor and whoever else, they wouldn't have even been in the conversation. So for all the all the complaints that I've heard about the playoff committee and, you know, what teams they picked, it's better than the BCS. Do not forget that. Hey, would like to thank everyone for joining us this week. This is just our second episode of the Daily Dose Sports Podcast, but I am enjoying it. I hope that you are too. Uh, next week on the Daily Dose Podcast, we will be doing a podcast the next two weeks. Even though there's holidays, we don't care. We, we play through those things. Uh, next week, we will have a little bit of a Christmas edition of the Daily Dose Sports Podcast. You don't want to miss that. Hey, like I said, we have a different week for you. Maybe you're a longtime listener. Maybe you're kind of new to the show. We will be getting you caught up this week with our style of sports talk here on The Daily Dose. I've said thank you all so much for listening to The Daily Dose on your Monday. For all of you that share the show, thank you so much. It is appreciated. If you're not subscribed to The Daily Dose, wherever you listen, please be sure to hit that little subscribe or follow button so that you don't miss a single episode. I've said thank you to JSP. Could not do any of this without you. I will see you all tomorrow. Have a wonderful Monday.